The Georgetown Hoyas are Big East Tournament champions and NCAA bound. Coach Thompson, I know you love it, big fella. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Towel after a bit of a break, let's call it. Um, I am your host, Armin Heratunian, back um, with a new co-host, Brendan Cole. Brendan, uh, welcome. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so I guess this is going to be our first episode in a pretty decent time. So to say that a lot has happened is a bit of an understatement. Um, (laughs) For sure. But I think that uh, we've seen a lot of good things. So let's just get right into it. I guess we'll start with the fact that we have a brand new roster and a brand new staff. So maybe let's start with the staff. They, um, we hired three new uh, assistant coaches, um, starting with Kevin Nickelberry, former assistant. Now, associate, now associate head coach. Associate head coach. That's uh, news to us. You know, we just heard this. But Kevin Nickelberry, first hire for the Ewing, new Ewing regime. Um, former assistant head coach at LSU. I think this is our biggest impact hire so far. I mean, he was known for his recruiting coming in and boy, has he delivered, right? Yeah, definitely. I think obviously changes need to be made uh, after last year and the willingness that the program has shown to go out and actually recruit guys and be after them uh especially in our own area is something that has been needed for a long time um and now with Nickelberry who's a guy who brings a bunch of guys uh who he was recruiting even back at LSU I, it could be big I mean anything's better than last year so I think I think it will be big I mean so originally Nickelberry is from the region right he was he coached at Hampton he coached at Howard for a while so he's very familiar with the area you could tell he was really, you know, as you said, hitting the local guys hard. I, I know we struck out with uh, with Terrell Ward, which was really, really sad. But just the fact that we were in it to the end really showed, you know, the direction that this program is going, especially with him. And also his ability to get the guys that, you know, first of all, we wanted and he had had at LSU, Brendan Murray, you know, um, my new favorite player, uh, Arowizo, I think that's how you say it. <laughs> you know, it, it's just like it shows that this program with Nickelberry now taking a significant role is taking a step in the right direction. But I think that Nickelberry isn't even the only big hire. I mean, big, but like hire that should be of note. They hired a promoted coach Crouch, right? Clinton Crouch. I think that's Andrew. amazing for this program. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, I, you could tell. You, sorry, you could tell like his relationships with the players that uh, he's the guy that they they would kind of look to um, in in times where uh, we were struggling, and there were a lot of times where we were struggling uh, to be that positive reinforcement and you know just a good basketball coach. So you know, never a bad thing to get those guys in a no. higher position. And it, it's a good sign when you, even after a bad season, are able to promote people from within. I mean, he was, he was definitely a rising star locally. I, I think there was a lot um, of momentum around that. And just the fact that both the school and Ewing saw that and said, you know what, we want this guy 
long term. Because frankly, if he didn't get the job, the assistant coaching job here, I don't doubt it for a second that he was just going to walk to either another local program or even a more national program and just, you know, hop on the staff there. So I think that's a great sign. And as you said, the players love him. I love him. When I I had gotten to meet him um, last season, he had uh, come to YZ's with a couple of us and he was just such a genuine good guy. So I think that kind of stuff for this program is, you know, just it, it shows that they're willing to move in the right direction. Yeah, agreed for sure. And then I guess the last hire, which I'm kind of still scratching my head about, was the hiring of Pat Baldwin Sr. Um, I know it was a little difficult probably to get guys to sign on to a, you know, a head coach that whose job probably would not be secure for more than a year or two. Um, so that third spot was kind of tough, but I'm kind of confused with that hire. Yeah. I mean, it felt like, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about the the guy as a person, but it seems like he's been kind of, uh, banking off. I mean, at in Milwaukee, it felt like that was the only reason why, uh, his son went there and we're not, we're not bringing in Pat Baldwin Jr. No, that uh, ship has sailed. <laughs> Onto the roster. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes, but uh, okay. yeah, kind of puzzling. In, in my opinion, it's always good to bring in guys who have experience, especially coaching experience at this level. But like at Milwaukee, he did not put anything special together. I mean, even with his son, who's considered to be one of the best you know, prospects in his class, they were really underwhelming. So I – try not to read too much into this but like i think that it's just they couldn't get a third guy um there's nothing wrong with that we might be pleasantly surprised you know the players might like him but i i don't know where this is really headed with that third spot um but the other two hires i think are absolute home runs i think that they really went out of their way to do good with those two guys and they got it done yeah and you know, this roster needed major reshaping and um, you can tell just in the couple months that these guys have been around that they made a big impact on that. Oh yeah. I mean, totally seven transfers, right. To a roster that went, Oh, and whatever in big East play, like the 19. fact that, Oh, and 19. Oh, don't remind me. Um, the fact that they were able to hit the recruiting and more importantly, the transfer portal so hard and got guys to sign on, that really says something. I mean, again, seven players is really a big number for any team, especially a team that didn't win a game, you know, 21 straight games they lost. So I think it's good. Um, and yet, it, the, this roster, kind of piggybacking off of that, this roster has a completely new look. And I think it's exactly what they needed. Yeah, and getting Kudis back home, Back on the hilltop after his after his uh little escapade over to College Park, uh, is definitely a big sign along with Murray and just uh Anglin. We have not, I mean we had him, but getting a cock a cock as well. Um, this is real talent. We'll see if it you know we'll see if it translates to the floor. But uh, there hasn't the the issue has been getting this type of talent to stay. So we'll see if that can translate to some long-term success and 
um, just keeping these guys around, I think is the, is the priority. And hopefully with the relationships that these new guys have developed with them, that'll be an easier task than it has been before. Well, yeah. I mean, so I, I think we should start like looking at a couple of these guys. I think Kudis is the perfect place to start because, you know, he had two years here on the Hilltop. He went, you know, to our neighbors to the North for a year looking <laughs> for a different role. Obviously that didn't work back and work out. And the fact that he came back, you know, there has to be some trust there. And for me, if he is the type of guy who can, I don't even think considering how much talent they've brought in, I don't even think he needs to be everything that he was, um, you know, two years ago, but as long as he is something, I think that's a really big, you know, plus for this roster. Yeah. Having a strong presence on both sides of the ball down low uh, was definitely something that was, was missing Um, that, that he, he definitely brought uh, two years ago through the Big East run um, and his, his whole previous stint. So just having that presence, whether it's up to where it was before, um, is definitely something major as we develop Ryan Matombo and find more talent to stack the paint when we're going up against the the Kalkbrenners of of the Big East. Yeah, I mean, so I think that when it comes to Kudus, right, he was the focal point of that Big East tournament run two years ago. Without him, that was not happening. Um, and the way this roster is shaping out, there are a lot of question marks, but like, he doesn't need to be your number one, right? You have Brendan Murray, Kevin Nickelberry's special, right? You have a star in Kevin, yeah. uh, in uh, Brendan Murray. So as long as Kudis can give you, you know, 10 points a night, maybe eight rebounds and just not be a black hole on defense, that is a positive because I love Ryan Matumbo, right? I, I think he is an amazing guy, literally one of the funniest people I've met on campus. And I think you would attest to that. But like, I think he still has some room to grow before he can be a true number one center in the Big East. Um, so the fact that Kudis is there to, you know, just fill in that role for the time being, I think is really valuable. Yeah, agreed. And when you think about the um, the offensive possibilities uh, that he brings with um, his ability to get screens, we <laughs> most of the the big guys last year, uh, you could feel that it wasn't they weren't you know laying the wood sometimes. No, uh, no they were on not the, on the on the guards and the pick and roll. So having that to to set up with the the new and uh, returning guards that this team has uh, can, you know, get a more developed offense that can actually score when it comes down, when a team is, you know, double teaming a guy or something, throwing something more intricate at you. Uh, having that ability is massive. Oh yeah. And I mean, like, so obviously by now everyone knows, you know, Brendan Murray can, comes to Georgetown and he is going to be your star. Right. But in the big East, for the most part, one player isn't going to win you games, especially the direction that the Big East has gone. I don't think that just Brendan Murray alone is going to win us games. So having a player like Kudis that you can fall back on is going to be valuable. I mean, okay, so I guess we can transition to Brendan Murray then. Brendan Murray is probably one of the most polished players we've seen on the Hilltop in a really long time. I mean, he was a star at 
starred LSU last year. And now this year coming following, uh, I, I tweeted this out, the new Coach K, Kevin Nickelberry, um, <laughs> following him to the hilltop, he is your star. He is going to be the focal point of your offense. Um, and when he's on, you're going to be winning games. When he's not, you're going to have to depend on the guys like Kudis to, you know, pick up the slack a little, a little bit. But Brendan Murray is probably the best player you've seen at Georgetown since Otto Porter. Yeah, I think he has a chance to make that kind of impact. And I think it's we, – we saw with Aminu Muhammad last season that you can't really be putting guys like that on an island and you need to be able to give them different options uh, when, when teams are really honing in on, uh, you know, the, the star offensive player that you can – you have some shooting that you can count on and you have some guys that can get rebounds and, you know, get you second-chance points. And I think getting Primo Spears and – uh, keeping Dante despite all the, the rumors and everything that was happening with that um, is massive because if you can, you know, give the star player the support that he really needs to shine, that's what makes a good basketball team. Exactly. I, I, I think Primo Spears is going to be an interesting one um, that, you know, coming in. Okay. I, I love Dante Harris, you know, Dante Harris is my guy, but I think after last year, you had to question his role a little bit. And Primo Spears, seeing what he's done at Kenner League so far, especially next to Brendan Murray, and whether or not they've been putting on the same team um, because Primo's going to have a big role next year, and we know Brendan Murray's going to have a big role, um, seeing what he's done really kind of makes you wonder, you know, this is going to sound a little crazy, but how far can this team actually go? Because this chemistry that Primo and uh, Brendan Murray has, have built over these past three weekends, um, it really, really is impressive. And I think coming in, my concern with Primo Spears was the fact that he's very ball dominant. Granted, he was on a team where he needed to be. He needed to be the only, I mean, he was the only one who could score, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, but, you know, being a point guard, especially on a team that brought in all this talent, it was a little concerning how ball dominant he was. But looking at him play with Murray, I'm starting to be a little optimistic about what he can do and, you know, whether he can carve out a real role, whether that is as a starting point guard or not. Um, yeah, Primo, Primo just, I think, is going to be a real asset for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, having an ISO scorer who can, you know, take guys on their own and, you know, obviously you don't want a guy like that dominating the ball all game. Um, but you know, when it, when you got two seconds left on the shot clock and you have a guy on an Island, you want him to be able to score. So he brings that to the squad, which was tough to come by last season. Well, yeah, but even with that, like, you know, a ball dominant player, obviously last year, but in, you know, looking at the stats from Kenner league so far, he has been distributing the ball when he's been playing. Granted, he's been averaging, you know, what, 17, 18 points. But at the same time, when you're dishing out seven, eight assists a game, I don't know if it's that high, but he's had a couple of games where he's reached that number. Obviously, he's not going to be your number one player, but just having a guy who can do both. And also, he's been active on defense as well, which, 
okay, obviously offense is going to win you games, but defense is going to solidify games. Um, so yeah. if you can have a guy like that, I think it's just an asset to us. But but also there's Dante Harris, right? Dante Harris is the fan favorite. Everyone loves Dante. I love Dante. He was playing probably injured last year. My One of my questions coming into this year, and when you add all these players to a roster, it's always going to come with a number of question marks. And I think my one of my top questions is, how do you distribute the guard minutes? Because if you look at the numbers of this roster, you know, you have, what is it, um, seven, eight guards? That's a lot of players. And I know not yeah. all of them are going to play much, but, like, especially when it comes to your point guard position, you have Dante Harris and Primo Spears, who are two relatively established young point guards. And then you also have a young Denver Anglin, who seems like he can play minutes. So it's just yeah. like, where are these minutes going to go? How are you going to distribute these minutes um, between these two or three players who feasibly could be impact players? Yeah, I think, you know, you kind of have to go about it um, just on a game-by-game basis. I mean, both of these guys, and we know for sure about Dante, you can have very – hot games where he's going for 20 and he's, you know, looking like Mr. Hoya. And then you have other games where the shooting is not anywhere near where you want it to be. So especially with these guards where, where the, the shooting numbers are a lot more volatile, uh, having multiple options you can throw out. Um, and it's, it is tough to balance, especially with guys at this level where they feel that they've established themselves as, you know, prime guard scores um, for in Dante's case on a big stage. Um, it's tough to kind of manage that, but I think you just kind of have to ride the hot hand and uh, having op- more options is never a bad thing. Oh, of course. I mean, just the fact that there's talent in the first place means something, but like at Kenner so far, you've seen Dante Harris put out games where he looks ice cold and he cannot touch basically the rim for his life and then you have games where he's going out and putting up 20 points with primo spears it's been more of the you know 18 20 point variety but it's okay i i don't doubt for a second that both of these guys are going to play as long as dante harris seems interested and primo spears isn't trying to take the spotlight for himself i think that we're going to see a lot of both of these players but still, the question is there of who gets what. Um, but even with De- Denver Anglin, I think this is an important conversation to have. Obviously, being a freshman in college basketball today is difficult, to say the least. But so far, we've seen that he is a true competitor. I mean, obviously, we know his shot is absolutely amazing. But, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a hard-nosed defender who probably – it's going to take a second for him to – um, adjust to the college game fully, but this is another guy that you don't want to just kind of have him sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, I, I just think having those guys that you can, you know, find on a swing pass that can chuck up a shot and you actually have faith in it going in between Anglin and also the addition of Wayne Bristol, you know, these guys have shown that 
you know, maybe not at this level, but they've shown that they can shoot the ball. And if you're not asking too much of them, when you're putting the ball in Primo's hands, you're putting the ball in Dante Harris's hands, and you just need somebody to make a shot, it gets a lot easier, I feel like. Oh, totally. Um, and I think that's one thing that's going to be – I mean, it concerns me a little bit because if you think about the past couple um, teams under Ewing, you know, as much as he was a center when he was playing, it's like these teams have been centered around shooting and good shooting. You had Javon Blair, uh, you know, Don Carey, Jamarco Pickett could even throw up a shot. Yeah, those – that's how you're getting a lot of your points in the past. And if you go down this roster right now, you have a good shooter in Denver, England, but unproven. You have, even though his performance at Kenner League kind of raises some questions, a good shooter, unproven in Wayne Bristol Jr. And you also have a good shooter in Jay Heath, who I think is one of the most underrated additions to this team. Yeah. You just need to... In my opinion, this team's going to have to find other ways to score because Denver isn't going to be seeing the floor for more than 10 minutes a night. It would be my best guess, at least. Same with Wayne Bristol. I don't think he's going to see much of the floor. Those That's two of your main three shooters. Um, and then Jay Heath, I think this is a very valuable conversation to have because he is one of your underrated additions. He was a very you know, solid performer at ASU. Um, he was not your number one guy, but he was able to put up some good shots, run an offense. He's going to be your veteran. I think this is where a lot of the shooting brunt is going to fall onto. You're going to need him to make his shots, but you're also going to force him to be your veteran presence. Yeah, and we've seen um, even even last year with Cade and Rice, uh, and especially with Don Don Carey, that – Having the the vet presence, uh, I don't actually. You know what? I'm not going to throw Caden Rice in there. Just Don Carey, having the veteran presence of a guy who can shoot the ball and you know lead the team, uh, take that captain role. Not necessarily that uh, Heath would would do that, but having somebody who's been on a different squad and can teach Anglin about playing that college basketball um, in a power five, you know, hyper competitive type environment is extremely extremely valuable uh whether or not it translates to the court is uh is yet to be seen well first of all power five are we no longer considering the pac-12 uh power five conference uh, <laughs> to, we'll to, this is a georgetown out. basketball podcast this is a georgetown basketball podcast we're not going to get into that but um <laughs> no, you're you're completely right like um Having a guy like that, again, I don't know what some of these guys' roles are going to be, but Jay Heath is going to have to come in and be your Don Carey of sorts. He's not going to be quite the knockdown shooter necessarily, but he's going to be that veteran presence. I think that if he can get a waiver to play, which shouldn't be difficult, but who knows if that's going to happen at this point. Um, If he can get a waiver to play, I think that he's going to have to – have some sort of important role on this team, whether it's being your sixth man, someone coming off the bench to give you a little shooting uh, bumper, um, just being that veteran starter that you don't really expect more than eight points a night out of, but you know you're going to get it. 
I think that's what Jay Heath is going to have to be. Um, speaking of other, I don't know if I'd consider him to be a, a veteran addition, but like a cook, a cook, right? What is he? He's coming into his third year, fourth year, coming out of UConn. A little injury prone, but I think he's proven that when he's not injured, he can be a very active player. Um, but with that being said, just what was it yesterday, the day before at Kenner, he kind of came down funny after a layup and he did not look happy. Yeah. I, yeah, it's tough to, it seems like so far it's been tough to keep him on the floor, especially, um, and it's frustrating because he's a guy that's, that's been well-regarded for a while and you want to see the production come to life. Um, and I guess we'll have to see, but this team is, is despite all the additions that have been made, the, the forwards are still not quite where you want to be to compete with the, the Villanovas, the Creightons, uh, the, even maybe the Xaviers of this conference. Um, and um, I don't know, having that presence can maybe help, but you got to be on the floor. That's what matters. Exactly. I mean, like, to be fair, like this little injury at Kenner League might have been blown a little out of proportion because he was back on the bench about an hour later and he seemed pretty much fine. I think they're just being careful with him. But the guy was a high four-star recruit coming out of high school, obviously talented. In his first year at UConn, when they were still in the uh, the American, he was an absolute menace on both sides of the ball. He could play the small ball four, F5, I mean. He could shoot the three. He could, you know, defend and was really active on that side of the ball. But injuries derailed him then. Last year, injuries derailed him. He just really didn't get much playing time. And to be completely fair, he's a big guy, but he's tall. He's not, like, thick, Right. He has very skinny legs. And it's a little concerning when you only have three true forwards on the team. And honestly, even with that, two guys who can truly play the power forward position, if one of them hasn't been able to put a full season together at the college level, it, it has to be a little concerning for you. Yeah, I think defense is going to be this team's – major issue i mean we we, we've talked about we have guys that can score but if if the hope is to kind of funnel everything down to kudos and let them take care of it i i just don't think that's going to work and you know even last game kudos played in a georgetown uniform uh with colorado it was just every time relying on his presence down low to try to stop something and next thing you know the the ball's in the net again after the eighth straight three so, I yeah, I think defense is going to be a major issue. I think scoring the ball will be something that's definitely uh, improved over last season, but it's going to be really tough to compete with with the top of this conference uh, when you're you're trotting out these guys at the forward position. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, I I don't want to be reminded of that Colorado just Jabari was Jabari <laughs> Walker just taking Kudis to the three-point line and just taking him to town. I don't need to be reminded of that. But you you really do bring <laughs> up a valid point because, okay, Brendan Murray is a true defender, right? I mean, he, he plays both sides of the ball and he plays it well. He is a professional playing college basketball as far as I'm concerned. Um, but after that, you look at this roster and you kind of have to think to yourself, who here – 
can play meaningful defense. I mean, Primo has shown little, you know, signs of it, but looking at what he did last year, I'm not overly confident in his defensive abilities. Dante Harris is completely hit or miss. Um, Maybe a Jordan Riley can step into a big defensive role. I mean, he's an athlete, but after missing his freshman year, I don't know if I can trust that. Kudis, I don't think so. And if you don't have a guy like a Cook who can kind of anchor the the bottom of you know your defense, it's going to be tough because I think we've proven over the last couple of years you can't win Big East games when you're you know trying to just outrun the other team. Yes, it might work against yeah. St. John's. It might work against Butler. It might work against DePaul. But, like, you're not going to beat Villanova by trying to race to 75 points. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to be sustainable to hold up the type of talent that's in this conference, uh, especially with the new additions coming in all over the place. Like, oh Providence God. is going to be better. Creighton's going to be better. And Creighton's going to be a just... powerhouse. I hate to say it, but like, yeah, Creighton's going to be really good. Um, obviously, Villanova, even though Jay Wright's no longer there, they're going to be really good. As much as we added talent, so did everyone else. Um, yeah, we're playing catch up. <laughs> yeah, we, we really are. And so while I'm optimistic, I think that the guys who were brought in to produce need to produce. And that is just like, yeah. it's a little concerning because in years past, guys who have been brought in, you know, with high expectations don't always meet them. Of course, we've had our good stories. We've had our, we've had our uh, Don Carries, you know, we've had our captains, but we've also had our Caden Rices. And I don't even want to utter that name. I have really bad memories of watching him play. Um, I hope you do too. But, you know, one player that I'm actually cautiously not cautiously but optimistic and i don't think he's getting enough credit and i think he will be playing a big role is my man uh as from lsu i think in just what i've seen on you know twitter and we love hoya talk um what i've seen <laughs> said about him and how he's playing if a cook isn't able to stay on the floor he's the type of guy that might actually be able to give you meaningful minutes. He didn't really play much at LSU. Um, granted, he was a freshman. But coming in, the guy looks like an active defender. He seems like he's got some very nice, uh, you know, a little bounce in him. And he can play with other guys. So I think that I'm a little optimistic on what he can give, but he needs to give us that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm – I'm a little, uh, I'm a little cooler on him than I think than I think you might be. Yeah. But I, I, you know, a burst of athleticism and guys that have been on a successful team, uh, despite all the, all the extracurricular extracurricular stuff going on at LSU last year. But guys that have been in that type of culture, uh, is will be helpful. Yeah, I I still love. I was uh, sitting at the the Healy Family Student Center during finals studying and I'm sitting in one of those little study rooms and I get this notification, uh, you know, Bradley as a commits to transfer to Georgetown. I'm like, who? <laughs> and then I go on YouTube and look him up 
And he literally has one highlight tape that was, I think it was like 27 seconds long, 32 seconds long, something like that. And it was just him basically playing garbage time minutes against like some really bad teams. And then the last clip they were playing, um, I think it was University of Louisiana Monroe, right? And it was like the last couple seconds of the game, they were up literally, I think it was like 100 to like 40 something. And it's just Bradley as a Wiro windmill dunking on top of a guy to close the game. And I was <laughs> like, okay, I think we got a dog, a dog here. And as much as it sucks that we only have three forwards on this roster and as much pressure as he's going to have to play meaningful minutes, considering he really didn't play at LSU last year for him any sort of production will be good. But if this team wants to win, it's going to have to be meaningful production. Yeah, and I don't think you can expect that. No, it, but, it's, uh, it's going to be tough. Yeah, but um, looking towards the future, past, you know, playing catch-up to the other teams in the Big East, uh, <laughs> we, we got ourselves we got ourselves Marvell Allen. How do you feel? What I would do to see somebody – make an edit of a Marvel superhero or like a Thanos or something <laughs> like that. But instead of Thanos's face, just give me Marvel Allen. What I would do for that. I, I couldn't even tell you, but like, this is big. I remember when I was first joining Thompson's towel, we had to write like a, uh, like a mock article end up getting posted. But my article, my feature article was about Aminu Muhammad. This was before he had committed to Georgetown. And, you know, basically what I was saying is, okay, the team kind of sucks right now. But if we could land a guy like Amin Muhammad, it opens the door for more players like him. And sure enough, we get Amin Muhammad. And sure enough, one year later, we get another five-star, four-star, whatever you want to call it. He's a five-star in my books. This is big. Hmm. Yeah. And that's just another uh, another piece of the Nickelberry effect that we're seeing right away. Absolutely. I mean, you read you read some articles once you commit um, about why he chose Georgetown, and it was trust in the staff. He trusted the staff, and that's trust in Kevin Nickelberry, trust in Coach K. Yeah, and to have that kind of trust displayed, uh, the lack of success on the floor last season is – uh, admirable, and and we'll take him. So yeah, and I mean, he is a bully on the court. I mean, it, it's I don't think it, people understand how important this is going to be for the team itself. The guy, whether he's a five star, four star, whatever he is, he's a big guard who can score at all, all three levels. He doesn't take a possession off on defense. He is a winning basketball player. So give me him. And then also the fact that I thought the, the cool part about this is he's a highly touted recruit. And then all he was talking about was how he wants to bring in another highly touted recruit, Isaiah Miranda, you know, uh, another top 30 big man um, in the class of 2023. I think that could be another story to watch out for. Talent attracts talent. It does attract talent. You know, you get it's a domino effect. You land Amina Muhammad, 
you go own 20 you know lose 21 straight games <laughs> and then it just uh it just pinballs from there and all of a sudden we might be having a another national contender in georgetown basketball just to say that feels crazy to me but when you bring in talent the sky's the limit yeah we'll see if we can keep him around well let's uh knock on wood <laughs> why not have a little optimism here uh mr cole <laughs> Uh, it's cautious. It's cautious. Fair. They, very they fair. haven't given us. They haven't given us. We got to see it on the floor. I think. Yeah. Okay. Let's let you know. Let's see them play first. Let's let's get yeah. them to campus. Let's see them play. Let's win a couple of games this year, and then we'll take it from there. Agreed. Um, I guess the last thing I want to touch on um, was. There's this little uh, alumni basketball league I know you were talking about before, before we started recording. Um, this could be fun. Yeah, I mean, Greg Monroe, Henry Sims, are you kidding me? Like, this, bring these guys, bring these guys back, going up against, going up against these, uh, these former Terps. I, I just, Mellow Trimble, I, I, it's been a while since I've uh, been rooting against uh, Mellow Trimble, but when when you're bringing these guys uh, who are not playing uh, in the NBA anymore and you get to see, you know, the old rivalries and, uh, you know, the fights that you've seen in the past come back <laughs> That to once life, were. It's exciting. Oh, yeah. I love this. You know what? When I first saw this on Twitter, I was kind of curious but really didn't expect much out of it. And then I see that these guys are going to be playing um, – Jagan Mosley, my all-time favorite Hoya, he's going to be suiting up too. Like just the fact that they can get these guys together, and especially against uh, against Maryland, why, why wouldn't I be extremely excited about this? Yeah, and Chris Wright is is running the uh, running the show uh, at least for the Georgetown squad, and I I love Chris Wright. I think at some point he's got to come into the program in a in a real role. Because he's shown that he can bring guys together, and it's awesome to see old Hoyas going up against Maryland. Yeah, I, I, I mean, not to go back into this coaching conversation, but like, when are they going to bring like an alum to be a assistant to the head coach or something like that? Like that role, or even uh, you know, head of basketball operations. Why not bring in a guy like uh, Austin Freeman or a Chris Wright or a Greg Monroe or a, even a Jagan Mosley at some point? Why not bring him in? But, you know, seeing them play again and suit up together, it's going to be special. It is going to be special. And it's going to be fun to watch, especially for those of us, you know, I think you and I together who have been fans before we got on campus, before we became students, I think this is going to be cool to see. And also you you old heads uh, who were around before us and were able to watch these guys actually play while you were students. I think the only thing that I can say is it's just going to be cool. Yeah. All they need is a uh, DSR. And then we'll oh be my God. Unloaded. You, you got to get him off, uh, off SoundCloud and back onto the court. <laughs> but uh, do you have anything else to add? Because I think I'm all done. I'm all uh, ready to wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just excited for a new year. That's not last year. Yes, <laughs> and I'm, I'm excited to be back. Georgetown, my friends, Georgetown, I think 
is on the right trajectory. I think Georgetown give us a, give us a couple more months to talk this over, but Georgetown might be back. And college basketball is better for it. Definitely is. I'm excited. Yeah. So with that being said, um, thank you all for listening in to, you know, uh, hopefully one of many episodes of The Towel coming up soon. Um, if you like what you heard and want to hear more, please like, follow, you know, comment. Let us know what you want to hear. You know, tweet at us. I love uh, I love reading some of these tweets. And uh, until the mentions, time, the mentions are the mentions are always open. Oh yeah, of course. The mentions are always open at Thompson's Towel on Twitter. But yeah, thank you very much for watching, and we'll see you next time.